Father, thank you so much for each and every person who is here. And thank you for your presence, for your Holy Spirit who's in us, who's in the house today. He is our teacher. He is our guide, our helper in all things. And Lord, we just look to you for direction for our lives, for answers to questions, for help where there is need. Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear, hearts that are open and receptive. We give you all the praise, all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In John 13 and verse 34, 13, 34, Jesus said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. All right. Now turn to Romans chapter 13 as well. If you were with us last week, you know that we began a new series of messages on the love of God. The love of God. This is one of the most fundamental and powerful and necessary messages in all of our Christian life. Okay. Let's go ahead and read this next one. Uh, John uh, Romans 13 verse 8 says, Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And so, we're speaking to you about the love of God. If you feel like in your life and believe that you have a full grasp of this and you understand this completely, then you're probably the most excited person to hear this message, okay? But as I would suspect, most of us, we've got some understanding to gain in this area. And as we gain it, it will impact our lives so much. Many times people, uh, they learn other things. They come to the Lord and start learning about other issues, but don't get a good solid foundation of the love of God. And I want to tell you, that's the most important thing to learn. It's the most important issue we can get a hold of. Now, uh, we said to you last week that in order to live the love life, we must understand three things. They are, number one, God's love to you. In other words, how much God loves us. We've got to get a hold of that. Number two, we said that you need to know God's love in you. God's love in you. And we'll get to that. Okay, and then number three, God's love through you. And these are listed in order for a specific reason that we must start from the top if we're ever going to get to number three. I will have a big, uh, a really difficult time having God's love come through me if I don't first know how much He loves me. Okay, and so we're talking about number one, how much God loves us. Now understand this. Guys, uh, this is not a chick flick, all right? This is not a feminine message when we talk about love. This is a God message, and I want you to know that the strongest of men, the, those with the strongest character, the most 
inner fortitude of all men are men who know how to love. Okay? Not, not talking about mush. Not talking about being wimpy. That has nothing to do with the love of God. At all. In fact, in reality, those who are weaker on the inside, who lack strength on the inside, will oftentimes try to cover that up with aggressive behavior with a loud voice trying to intimidate and trying to force things and, and manipulate people. They're covering something up. When someone is really uh, strong on the inside, they're secure in themselves, they can walk in this love. They can make other people feel good. Praise the Lord. And so this love of God that we have and, and that's been given to, uh, unto us must be understood. Now, if you talk to the average Joe, Christian, you, you, you know this, that Christians will tell you all day long, if you were to ask, does God love you? They'll say, well, yeah, yeah, I mean, he sent his son, yeah, the Lord loves me. But sometimes, right after that, people will recount how, you know, how God made them sick to teach them something. They'll talk about how God took their loved one. Well, you know, my took my parent, took my child, took my friend, the, the Lord took them. And I want to tell you that, first of all, if you believe that, if that's your theology, that God will slap a cancer on somebody, that God will destroy what we would destroy someone's life, but there's, you know, in a mysterious way, He's working out His good, uh, you're going to have a real difficult time being close to the Lord. Okay, now you might try, you might want to have a relationship with God, you know you're saved, you know that's love, but if you think that God is causing you pain and causing you problems and doing things in your life, you're going to have a real difficult time getting real close to Him. There's always going to be something in the way like, I love you Lord, but, but why did you allow this to happen? Why did you do this? Why did you permit this to happen? And that, that question will keep you at arm's length. We have got to understand the love of God as it really is. Okay? Sometimes people think that they have more love really than the Father. In, in this regard, they would never hurt someone like that. They would, they would never cause someone that much pain and trouble. But yet they think the Lord would. Are we confused? How many know if you uh, were to go over to uh, Matthew chapter 7, you read the, the teaching of Jesus, how he said, how he made a comparison of a natural father to the father in heaven. And how if a son would ask, for example, a stone, would he give him, uh, or ask for bread, would he give him a stone? And of course, I was like, no way. And Jesus followed up those illustrations by saying, how much more? Will your Father in heaven do good things, give good things to those who ask Him? In other words, what is the love of God like? Well, it's a lot like a parent's love for their child. Someone says, I can't really understand the love of God. Sometimes God does things, and I know it's, it hurts and it rips my life apart, but in His mysterious love, it must be some mysterious thing. I don't know. And we just think, well, I just can't understand it because it's, it's God. I can't really comprehend what He's doing. I'm telling you, that goes contrary to love, and you don't have to be a spiritual rocket scientist to know that. Okay? 
if I wouldn't do it to my kids, and cause, then God would not do it to me. The only difference here in my love for my kids and God's love for me is that it's how much more? Is that it's much increased when it comes from God. Okay, I don't feel like I have everybody with me here right now. Let's see. Help me, Lord. This is better than you know. I'll just tell you up front, this is really, really good. Okay, is that enough? <laughs> the love of God is not mysterious. It is revealed to us. Only when we get funky theology and religious mindsets do we twist it and make it into something that it's not. And that is for the, the, this purpose, to keep you at arm's length from God. That is one of the reasons why the devil will insert bad thinking, wrong, incorrect thinking about who God is. And I tell you, this is rampant in the body of Christ. People are saved, that's not the issue. But they can't get really, really close to the Lord because they believe that He is responsible for their pain. And they won't be so blatant in saying so but there's something on the inside that's mad about the fact that their loved one is gone and they think God could have stopped it and without going into the ins and what's and why's and how's of why that's not true if you just know his love it will answer so many questions about how God will treat you and how he will deal with you his love for you is likened unto your love for a child times a, times a gazillion. But the very fact that a parent has that love for a child and will do good things when they ask is because of the stamp of God on all of the human race. Okay? And these things then get magnified through the new birth, which we'll get to later. Amen. And so, uh, if your view of God is, again, of an angry person who is ready to punish you whenever uh, you do something wrong, you'll never really get close to Him. If you are having difficulty with faith, man, I'm just having trouble believing, just having trouble believing that I receive my prayers answered and so forth. Uh, I want to tell you that that is connected to a lack of understanding of God's love. When you know how much He loves you, there are certain things you will never question. You know, my children don't, don't, uh, don't go to bed at night with the thought, man, I sure hope my parents are going to be there in the morning. I sure hope I'm not going to be left alone. I sure hope in the morning I'm not going to starve or have to live in the gutter, just be kicked out on the street. They don't have that thought. They don't have to, before they go to bed, make 25 confessions about how God's going to meet their need. Because El Shaddad is going to meet their need. Right? And they, and they know that. <laughs> right? They know that. Why do they know that? The, it's inherent within our love for them. There are certain questions they will never ask. They know if they're hurting, mom and dad will do everything in their power to make it better. To fix it. They know that they're going to be protected. Going to be cared for. Going to be fed. All these things are inherent within love. 
And if we have those questions about God, is he going to meet my need? Am I going to make it? Is he going to leave me? If we have those questions in and of themselves, that implies and that indicates that we don't know how much he loves us. And so a lot of times when someone needs to build up their faith, they say, I need to strengthen my faith. Well, true. I mean, that may be true. But what the emphasis needs to be on is how much God loves you. When you really know how much he loves you, faith will be easy. Faith will be simple. Because I'm not questioning, am I going to make it? Am I going to make it? Whatever. I mean, God loves me. Do you think God on the throne is going to let me down? The one whom he loves? Not a chance. And so many questions will not even be asked. So many theological discussions will go bye-bye. When people really know the love of God towards them. Amen. You remember Galatians. uh, Galatians chapter 5. Which speaks about uh, faith works by love. Or through love. Right? Faith works through love. In other words, the person who's struggling with faith. I'm telling you. Is a person who's struggling with love. They do not know how much God loves them because when you know how much God loves you, you are never going to have a difficult time trusting Him. You are never going to have a hard time believing Him. Praise God. All right, now go with me to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. In verse 14, we want to begin reading here. Ephesians three fourteen. It says, for this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, in whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man. All right. What's Paul's prayer here? He said, I I want these people... To be strengthened on the inside. You know, oftentimes when someone feels like they're weak and they don't have strength, it's not necessarily a physical condition, but it is stemming from a lack of spiritual strength. Sometimes the answer to uh, weakness in your life, not just talking about muscle mass, but, uh, you know, weakness in your life is not that you need to necessarily change a bunch of things physically. It's that you need to change what you're doing spiritually. Okay, when you are strong on the inside, it will flow through the outside of you. Anyway, verse 17, he said that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Look at that phrase. He's praying for these guys that Christ would dwell in their hearts through faith. Now, I don't know about you, at first reading, that seems a little bit odd. Because the people he's writing to are saved. They're Christians. They've been born of him. And oftentimes, what do we say when we get saved? We say, the Lord came into my heart. I received Jesus in my heart. And yet Paul is praying for these saved people that Christ would dwell in their hearts through faith. What's up with that? Are they saved or are they not saved? They are saved, but apparently Christ dwelling in their hearts through faith is not about being born again. Amen. 
Yeah. Well, first of all, it's this. Apparently, he's not just speaking about their spirit, is he? When someone receives the Lord, their spirit is born again. From the inside out, they are changed in an instant. Your spirit is born, passed from death to life. But that's not what he's praying here. He must be referring to a different part of us. When he, when he said that Christ may dwell in your hearts, he's not talking about just your spirit being born again. Must be also referencing the soul. Right? Remember what James said. If you read over in the book of James, he's writing to believers as well. He, he said in, you know, in the first part of the book, my brethren counted all joy. He's talking to, to saved people. And he told them in that, in that book that you need to get your soul saved. You need to have your soul saved. Soul. They could have wrote back and said, oh, Pastor James, we are already saved. What are you thinking? We already received the Lord. But that's not what he's talking about, is it? He's talking about your soul. He's talking about your mind, your will, your emotions. It's one thing for a person to have Christ in their spirit and to be changed, be born again. It's a whole other thing to have Christ in your emotions and Christ in your mind and in your thought life. And that is what Paul is praying. He said, you guys, you're saved. You know that. But I am praying that Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith. Apparently, that wasn't true. You could have went to the church at Ephesus and met those people and could have accurately said that it, Christ was not dwelling in their hearts by faith. How would you feel if someone came into our church? The Lord told me, Christ is not dwelling in your hearts by faith. We just, oh, <laughs> I am too saved. That's not what he's talking about. See, a whole lot of people receive the Lord and they're saved, but the reason they have so much difficulty walking with God, living for Him, is because Christ does not dwell in their hearts by faith. And this is what happens, is people oftentimes will equate what they feel to be reality. And that's why He said that Christ would dwell in your hearts by faith. And if a person feels like God's presence is there, and we have some of those, Woo, you can feel God's presence. But they think, if I feel God's presence, then they're confident that the Lord is with them. If they can feel His love, if I feel the love of God and goosebumps are popping out and I feel God, then, then they're confident in His love. But the moment that goes away, they live as if He's not there. In other words, he's not dwelling in their hearts by faith. Faith says, he's with me, he's in me, he loves me, he's for me, whether I feel it or whether I don't feel it. If things are going great, if things are not, I know this for certain, and I'll never question this. God loves me, and he is never leaving me. See, listen, if God lives in you, if Christ dwells in your heart by faith, you won't be praying things like, Lord, be with me. Someone's going on a trip. Lord, be with them as they go. What is that? That says you're, you're, you're talking to the Lord as if He's not with them. And yet He said, I would never leave you or forsake you. Can I tell you? Don't ever pray that the Lord is with you. Don't ever ask Him to be with you. Because He is with you. Already, you're wasting prayer and questioning His word for you. Amen.
Some things we just accept as fact and we live as if God is there at all times. And if you'll live as if Christ is there at all times, then that's Him dwelling in you by faith. You know, uh, again, it's not based on feelings whether I feel loved at the moment or that I feel something happening. It's just a fact that I accept. How many know uh, in a marriage, if you were to have a, if you have a good marriage relationship, husband and wife are not always questioning the other person's love. You know, if, I, if I'm kind of quiet and, you know, just sometimes I get quiet. And uh, if I'm just quiet and just thinking or whatever, doing stuff, I'm not talking a lot. My wife doesn't come over to me and say, don't you love me? Is something wrong? Freaking out because of a lack of showing or demonstrating love through a particular action at the moment. Don't you love me anymore? No, I mean, no, that's a kind of a, I don't want to be in that marriage. Know what I'm talking about? There needs to be faith in a situation, faith in the other person's love when you believe that they love you no matter what they do. That's the foundation for everything else being, being good, Okay. Same is true with God's love for us. So, he said that Christ may dwell in your hearts, we're in verse 17, through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Now, notice this, rooted, grounded, talking about the foundation here, in love. Too many people, they move on to other subjects. They move on, they might be able to, you know, quote different scriptures and learn all kinds of different theological points, but don't have a foundation of God's love for them, they're going to struggle in their relationship with God. You can quote scriptures all day long, but if you don't know how much He loves you, you're not going to be really close to Him. You're going to have trouble with your faith walk. The foundation of God's love is key. Verse 18, notice this, verse 17, rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend so we can see that our, able to our ability to comprehend the Lord is related to His love. So I just really want to understand more. You need to, you need to know His love first. When that's the foundation, you're going to understand how God thinks and how He lives and how He thinks and, and, and how He relates to us. If you don't understand His love, you could get caught up in an Old Testament scripture and be going, oh, wow, look at that. And, and, and people question sometimes, what about some of those things in the Old Testament where it seemed like a, a, a vengeful, wrath, wrathful God and, and, and some of these type of behaviors? Listen, without going into that real deep right now, understand this. We don't base our understanding of God on the Old Covenant. We don't. That is like going into a room with a hat that's half lit and describing everything accurately that's in the room. Things are in the room, but you won't see them clearly. You won't be able to describe them accurately. You've got to come on over into the New Testament where the light is turned on. In this room, it's bright. And you can say, oh, that's what that was. That's what was happening here. That's who God is. That's the way He treats me. Look how much He loves me. Wow. Then go read the Old Testament. And you read the Old in the light of the New instead of vice versa. Amen. See, I get concerned when, when, when people do uh, all their study, all their teaching and so forth with Old Testament Scriptures. Because you're doing it in a dark room. Doesn't mean there's not a lot we learn and gain from, from the Old Testament. We certainly do. But the New Testament is where we live. 
okay? And this is where the light is fully turned on, and you can understand God more completely. Amen. Okay. And so he said, rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height. He's deep and wide, isn't he? He's a fountain flowing, deep and wide. This love of God is amazing. It's really wide. It's really tall. It's really deep. This is a big honking thing here that we're, that we're getting involved with. He said, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, this, that almost seems like a contradiction when you say that you would know the love that passes no. Right? How can you know something that's beyond no? Well, the difference here is, is basically, these are two different words. And if you want to look at the Greek, uh, you, can, you can see these in a, little, in a little more detail. But one of them, uh, the second one, knowledge there, uh, Greek word gnosis, G-N-O-S-I-S. And uh, uh, this word simply is an act of knowledge, okay? But the first word that you may know the love of Christ, that has to do with experience, God desires for you to experience His love that passes what you could, any kind of act, any kind of just knowing about it. It's not about just a definition, okay, I understand love now. It's much deeper than that. In fact, I don't think I could explain it well enough so you could walk out of here with a full, full knowledge, working knowledge of this. I, don't, I, I, don't, I just don't think I can do it. What has to happen is you need to get with the Lord all by yourself and pray. And I can pray for you, that'll help, and do. But you need to pray that God would show you this love that passes knowledge. It's called an experience. It's an experiential love. And I know this, being born again is an experience, but these people were already born again. So he's not even referencing that. He's not even telling them, I want you to get saved because they're already saved. He was obviously wanting them to experience God's love to such a profound way that they would have a, an understanding of it. And I pray this for, the, for our church, that we would know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. This is an amazing thing. You're not going to come up with it on your own. Not just going to figure it out. Not going to look in Webster's and get the, get the definition say, okay, I got it. Got the love thing down. This is a divine revelation from God. And when you know it, it will change the way you live. Because this is being filled with the fullness of God. You're not going to live a life full of God without being full of His love. Amen. Let me read this to you. Look up, You can go ahead and read with me up there. The love of God. Uh, this is the Amplified Version, 17, 18, 19. May Christ, through faith, through your faith, actually dwell, settle down, abide, make, permit, make His permanent home in your hearts. May you be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love, that you may have the power and be strong to apprehend and grasp with all the saints, God's devoted people, the experience of that love. What is the breadth and length and height and depth of it that you may really come to know practically through experience for yourselves 
the love of Christ which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, that you may be filled through all your being under the fullness of God, may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God Himself. See, this is, this is powerful stuff. This is what we got to get. I don't know about you. Uh, when I fly commercially, I'm really glad that the pilots of the airplane didn't just read a book and get their license. You know what I'm talking about? Didn't just study a, study a course, maybe get the movie, you know. <laughs> and they learned all the ins and outs and said, oh, we're ready to go. Where do you want to go? <laughs> I'm really glad that they made them spend a whole lot of hours in the cockpit controlling that beast, right? To know where to go and what to do if this happens, what to do if this happens. You know, it's, it's, like, it's like golf. Anybody, anyone, any golfers in the house? And uh, how many know it's a whole lot different to watch the movie on golf or to watch the PGA or, or to even get, get some instruction on how to swing the club and to go out there and consistently hit the ball straight <laughs> put it where it's a whole nother thing to do it and likewise our walk in relationship with God cannot just be about a book cannot just be about an intellectual understanding and knowledge you have got to have an experience with his love when you experience your, his love it will change you in ways that you that are that are difficult to explain many things in your life simply won't matter anymore I, when I say things I'm talking about issues that bug you today things that get under your skin I'm talking about things that stress you out things that uh, cause you to worry and fear they will go away when you have and know God's love for you you'll stop questioning certain things okay I know uh, quite a few years ago I had bought a brand new car, brand spanking new, smelled good, rode good, <laughs> had that new car smell. Hmm. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I had that car about six months, and my sister came to town, and she asked if she could borrow the car. And she lived in, still does, live in Tulsa. And uh, she asked if she could borrow the car. I said, sure, I don't care. And uh, she took off about three quarters of a mile away. Bam! <laughs> really wasn't her fault, I don't think. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the other guy was speeding. And uh, she was pulling out and someone was coming too fast in an uninsured vehicle. <laughs> big honking one you know you know those doors that swing <laughs> they weigh a ton and just uh, she didn't get hurt praise the Lord it hurt hit the back end be like the back door back seat door and and back and just thrashed it <laughs> I mean we had we have pictures somewhere I wish I knew where they were uh, uh, but it just thrashed the car really messed it up and and she called me just shortly after I knew she left and and uh, went right on down there to make sure everything's okay. And the thing that happened, though, 
she was really surprised, and I probably was a little bit at myself. Uh, she was really surprised at me because, you know, she knew me more, uh, you know, when I was a teenager. And, uh, and this was not much, much after that. I was in my early 20s. Uh, but she knew me, and she was expecting, I guess, me to fly off the handle <laughs> and just uh, overreact and be really upset with her. And when it happened, I just said, whatever. That's a, and a no big deal. It's just a car. And uh, they make new ones every day. We'll get it fixed. And, and uh, she was surprised at me that I wasn't upset and even looking at myself because I knew the way I used to be, you know, really kind of ruined your day, right? <laughs> but when you know how much God loves you, there are certain things that become way less important. Did I like it? No. Was it inconvenient? Absolutely. Had to drive that big brown Taurus around for a couple of weeks. <laughs> <At the, laughs> don't be mad if you got a Taurus, whatever. <laughs> it just wasn't what I was driving. <laughs> but other than that inconvenience, it didn't really bother me that much, okay? And I didn't get upset. And I know this, how did, how did I get to that point? I knew God loved me, and it changed me more than I realized over, over a few period of years period of a few years. And, uh, and it had changed the way I looked at things. And cars and stuff, I still like nice cars, but they're just not as important as other things. When you know God loves you, you're not going to rip apart a person for a thing. You're not ready to tear someone else up and rip them apart emotionally because you lost a, a car, a temporal piece of metal that is not going to last, but a person will last forever. And I don't mean I had to just control my, now control yourself, <laughs> breathe, okay, walk in love now. No, just the fact that I was walking in the divine love of God, His love towards me, it changed me without me having to make much, much effort in adjusting. It's like, well, whatever. And I believe this, that when we understand this love, there's a lot of things that we fuss about today, and they will fall right off. People will look at you who knew you in the past and say, you're different. You're different. And you might have been already saved. But Christ wasn't dwelling in your heart by faith, being rooted and grounded in love, and you able to comprehend with all of the saints what is the breadth and height and length and depth and width, to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. See, it's a different life. It's one thing being saved, being born again. That's the most important thing. But if I want to live that life here on the earth and walk in this amazing thing that God planned for me, it is centered on His love. I can't study all the promises and everything else and, and get enough scriptures memorized that will produce the same thing. I can't go to church enough and that will produce it. I can't do enough good works and good deeds and pray long enough and that will produce it. It is about a revelation of how much God loves me. When I know it, it'll adjust my priorities. Things will come into line. Come on now, we got to get this. This is powerful and this is all through the New Testament. You want to do your own study? Get on the computer. If you've got a Bible program, type in love. Watch how many times it comes up. You'll find verse after verse after verse, and you'll realize this is the thing that God's talking to us about. Come on. Now, how many know uh, Romans said it is, it is the goodness of God that draws men unto repentance? It's not a wrath for God. It's not vengeance. It's not, uh, man, you better get right or you're going to hell. That's not really the message that, that leads people to repentance, okay? It's the message of God's love. 
All right. Let's look at one more thing this morning. Romans chapter 8. Some of you have experienced this love in a lesser degree, but in, 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 a, in a more human sense when, uh, you know, bef before some of you married, before you were married, and, you know, you were interested in that young filly, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, maybe you were heading that way, and maybe you're engaged, or, and, and you're going that way, and, and, you know, you worked all day long. As soon as you got off work, you went over to be with that person. Spent all evening, stayed up way past bedtime, right? <laughs> stayed up late, got a few hours of sleep, did it again. Next day, went to work all day, called at lunchtime, <laughs> and do all kinds of ridiculous behavior, right? This doesn't make any sense naturally, not getting any sleep, spending all time with that person, and happy to do it. Why? Love changes people. It does. It'll act differently. And, you know, Amy and I used to drive back and forth from when she was in college up here, back and forth to Twin Falls. I'm once a week here, up here. She's once a week back down there. And we're driving all the time. And there were no emails or video chats or anything like that those, those days. And, and uh, I know when we got engaged, was that on a Tuesday night? Yeah, uh, up here. And uh, the next day, she showed up at my house. <laughs> Back there in, in, in Twin Falls again, made the trek again, just all kinds of just spending all this time. It changes the way that you do things, okay? And I want to know just how, how it does, naturally speaking, the love of God will change you. You say, I don't really understand. I'm telling you, it's time to get these scriptures in front of you and spend some time thinking about it. Spend some time saying, the Lord loves me. I am the one that Jesus loves. And pray that God would open your heart to see it. That you'd have an experiential knowledge of His love. And watch how people around you start noticing. Man, you're not as irritated as you usually are. Kim, you're not griping and complaining like you used to. <laughs> hmm. You're so much more pleasant to be around. That's what the love of God will do for you. Romans chapter 8, verse 38. Uh, in fact, let's back up to verse 31. How about Romans 1, verse 1? <laughs> and we'll just catch up. No, just go to 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Now listen, this is a... This is an explanation of God's love. He gave you Jesus. Is He going to withhold anything else from you? In other words, He gave you His Son. Would He take care of your bills? You really think the bill, your bills, your financial need is bigger than giving the Son? That's what He's saying here. Say, he, gave, he gave you the Son. Would He heal your body? Well, giving the Son, again, is much more than a healing of a body. Verse 33, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? That's a good question. Who is he who condemns? He's asking this question. Who is condemning? Someone said, the Lord's just been condemning me. The Spirit of God. No, he's not. God is not a condemner. Hmm? It is Christ who died. 
and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ. Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You want to be a, a conqueror, more than a conqueror in life? It's based on his love. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is good news. There is absolutely nothing you can do to wreck this. I mean, have you blown it? I've blown it. But I've not, it's not, not to the degree where it could separate me from His love. It's not possible. And one thing I can see here, that the love of God for me is in Christ. Jesus already died. He was already raised from the dead. He already finished His work and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, meaning all that He did is forever sealed and accomplished. It is settled. It's a fact. It will forever remain. And if God's love for me is in Christ, it can't be changed. You can't tick God off enough to make Him not love you. You can't sin enough to make God not love you. You can't blow it enough. You can't resist Him enough where He's finally going to say, okay, remove the love. Nothing will be able to separate you and I from His love. Amen. And this is key to our being more than a conqueror. Amen. He loves us. Praise God. Father, thank You today. Thank You for helping us, for showing us Your love, Your amazing love. Your kindness, your faithfulness. Lord, I pray for the church today that each and every one of us would experience and know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. That we may all be filled with the fullness of God. Help us to understand it, Lord. Help us to receive it from you and never, ever, ever question your love for us. Lord, for this we thank you. We praise you. We honor and bless you. For you're in this house, guiding us. You're directing our every steps. You're leading us in the way that we should go. And we thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your love. We receive it. We are the ones that you love. And no matter what happens to us today or this week, Nothing can take this away from us. And since we know that you love us, everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be okay. We receive this from you today. Lord, we receive Christ in our hearts to dwell there and live there by faith. Whether we feel it or whether we don't, this is the fact. We accept it as true. We acknowledge what you've done and we receive your love in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for those today who've come that have never been born again.